So today we are uh, continuing as we uh, begin our uh, journey together through the book of Romans. Today we're going to look at, um, especially at two key verses, which most commentators agree offer the theme statement for the entire book of Romans uh, before he launches into his, um, his great theological work, as it turns out, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Uh, he offers a kind of a summary statement of what it is that he's going to be doing, what he's going to be sharing and we find that um, in Romans 1, 16 and 17. And since it is uh, a theme statement for the book of Romans, we, we can see this also then as a key uh, passage for the entirety of the Bible. It's uh, a, a couple of verses worth committing to memory. Romans 1, 16 and 17. In the New American Standard Bible version, which is the one I memorized a long time ago, it goes like this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. These verses are really worth making a theme statement Uh, not only for the book of Romans, but for my life and your life as well. It's worth comparing to other possible life statements that would sound similar. I am not ashamed of the American political system, (laughs) for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who votes. I am not ashamed of my family, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has my last name. I am not ashamed of the church. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who joins. I am not ashamed of myself. For I am the power of God to save myself. Paul's disturbing assertion Unlike all the other things we might put in the I am not ashamed of this slot, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will not fall short. His love for us, his truth for us, his work accomplished for us in the end will not disappoint. The good news of God in Christ is one thing we need never be ashamed of. And yet, as Paul's statement suggests, we tend to be just that, ashamed of the gospel. By looking carefully at our text for today, especially Romans 1, 16 and 17, I hope we will be able to see how and why we tend to do our own personal cover-ups for the gospel. This gospel we say is so true and so good and so important. But more than that, I pray the power will be manifested again among us today. The power of the gospel. That we will see anew and afresh just how wonderful and beautiful this gospel, this euangelion is. 
that we will see just how privileged we are to share this good news of Jesus with others with joy and confidence overflowing. That we will see, as others have, like Martin Luther, that in this gospel, we find something like a gateway to heaven. Let's look at our text for today, Romans 1, 8 through 17. Hear the word of God. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart, is preaching the gospel of his son. Let me try that again. I think I put a verb in there that I didn't need to. Verse 9, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Lord God, once again, we give you thanks and praise for your word that that points us in the right direction that tells us which way is up, that empowers us for right belief and good service. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive today what you would give us, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this brief autobiographical section, Paul says he gives thanks in prayer for the Roman Christians, not because of their health or prosperity or success in ministry, but because of their faith. Then the apostle says he wants to do a couple of things. First, he says that he wants to visit them in person, that he has desired to do so for quite a while, but hasn't been able to yet. Note, from our vantage point, several years down the road of history, we can look back and realize that Paul did, in fact, get back to Rome and visit that city in person, and many of the people that he was writing to in this letter um, certainly came and saw him, but it wasn't quite the way he had anticipated. He goes back as a prisoner of Caesar, awaiting trial, um, under house arrest in Caesar's palace, and we're told at the end of the book of Acts that he is there and people were free to visit him, so lots of people came to visit him and he's preaching the gospel while he's there, and that's how the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. Paul also says that he wants to preach the gospel to them. 
And that phrase, preach the gospel to him, reminds me, I I heard that phrase from uh, one of our high school students when many years ago, Danelle and I uh, led a mission trip to the Philippines with a a group of high school students from our church in Los Angeles. And uh, one evening we found ourselves out in uh, the middle of downtown Manila in the Philippines, and we were passing out gospel tracts uh, with an organization called Christ for Greater Manila. Their staff people were working with our kids and with our, our staff, and we were out passing out tracts and encouraging people to consider Jesus Christ. And at one point, one of our high school students, I actually wasn't with this group, Danelle and I were in a different group, but uh, we heard the story later. Uh, one of our students, Tom, was passing out tracts, and he handed the tract to some man, and the man turned to him and said, what's this all about? Well, Tom, at that point, sort of turned to the worker from Christ uh, for Greater Manila Ministries, thinking that it probably would be a good thing to hand this over to the ministry professional at this point. And instead, the guy from Christ for Greater Manila turned to our high school student, Tom, and he said, preach the gospel to him. (laughs) At which point, Tom, when he told the story later, said he wanted to say to the man, uh, excuse me, uh, we're Presbyterians. Uh, we don't do that sort of thing. We're not, we're not gospel preaching sort of folks. But instead, what Tom did was he turned back to the man and with all of the wisdom he could muster as a young man who had grown up in the church, he told him about Jesus Christ, about what he had done for him on the cross and how he too could have eternal life because of Jesus. Apparently, we Presbyterians can be gospel-preaching sort of people after all. Paul says he wants to preach the gospel in Rome. Then he goes on, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's an interesting way to begin his vital heart-of-the-matter statement. I mean, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Think about it. Why not? The gospel is great. The gospel is powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, I'm not sure Paul would have made it in advertising. I mean, can you imagine looking at your TV screen and and an ad comes on and there's somebody standing there saying, well, I just want you all to know that I am not ashamed of AT&T's long-distance service. Great ad, right? I I am not ashamed of the Whopper at Burger King. Or as... The ads are going to start popping up more and more and more. I am not ashamed of this particular political candidate. Actually, that one would work. (laughs) Paul's statement points out the importance not only of the truth God has given us, but also our relationship to it. It's not just a static reality, but a dynamic expression. It suggests that there is a natural tendency for us to relate to the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that can be described by no better word than ashamed. Probably many of us within the church wouldn't want to admit this. Few would say out loud, I am ashamed of the gospel. But there are different ways of saying, I am ashamed of the gospel. With the help of Paul's theme statement, I'd like to share a few for us to consider here this morning. But before we do, 
Let me share again Paul's theme statement, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man will live by faith. So here are a few ways to say I am ashamed of the gospel. First, the gospel, and you can follow along in your sermon outline if you want to and fill in the blanks if you're keen to do that sort of thing. The gospel is not actually true. To say this is to say I am ashamed of the gospel. Well, it's the clever product of wishful thinking. Or it's a grand myth used for embodying the deepest hopes and highest aspirations of humanity. I mean, Jesus never existed. At least not the Jesus we meet in the pages of the Bible. He didn't really do miracles. His mother wasn't actually a virgin. He didn't actually rise from the dead. I mean, nobody does that. It's a shame that things like these are affirmed even in places called churches. For to speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. It is. Number two, what is really powerful is what people do. And the gospel may help or hinder this power. The gospel can get in the way of what is most vital, what people do. The power is found in our positive human relationships, especially in church. Ours is one of the friendliest churches in town. The power is found in our good traditions, which we are preserving. The way of capitalism, socialism, democracy, monarchy, big government, small government, activism, passivism, moderation, the American way, the evangelical way, the Presbyterian way, the saddleback way, the covenant way. So when people get too enthusiastic about Jesus and his good news, well, it can be disunifying. When people say things like, what does this have to do with Jesus? With God's kingdom, with salvation, with redemption. It makes people uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable disrupts the real power of positive human relationships and traditions. Our warm community is what really counts. It's what really makes this church go. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. It is the power. Well, the gospel, gospel can be vital fuel for what is most important, what people do. The power is found in our human expressions of love and the good news of Jesus can fuel this. 
humanly engineered justice, humanly accomplished righteousness, the social gospel, caring for the poor, lifting the needy, protecting the marginalized, restoring dignity to the marginalized, caring for God's good creation. Our good works is what really counts and truly makes this church go. The power is found in our human expression of truth. And the good news of Jesus can fuel this. Insightful and educated analysis of past history and current events. The evangelical agenda. Great preaching and teaching. Solid expressions of biblical truth. Bold proclamation in a lost world. The quality of teaching is what truly matters. So our pastor and teachers are what really make this church go. To speak like this, which I have to admit sounds a little better to me, but even so, to speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. Not that it is powerful fuel for what really counts. Not that it is good because it empowers people. He says, it is the power of God. Community and good works and passionate preaching are so important. But can we keep from being ashamed of a gospel that says, warm community or bitter battle zone? Good works or lazy apathy? Gifted communication or groaning confusion? The power is in the message itself and not in the people who show and tell. Number three, people are okay. To say this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is nice, but unnecessary. Sinners deserving of hell, destined for eternal separation from God, the source of goodness in life. Come on. We're not that bad. People are okay. Jesus was one of us, wasn't he? Didn't he come to show us just how good we can be? People are okay. People are basically good. That's what they say on TV, in the movies, in the magazines, in all our schools. Doesn't the Bible really say the same thing? People are okay. Sure, nobody's perfect. But isn't all this talk about sin and death a little over the top? Do you want to scare the children? People are okay. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. It is the power of God for salvation. Like it or not, People need to be saved. Next, Christianity is one of several good religious systems. That's a way of saying, I am ashamed of the gospel. 
Isn't it dangerously arrogant to say Jesus is the only way when other people say he isn't? All religions are equally valid. Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, animism, Rastafarianism, Satanism, Baal worship, Molech child sacrifice, Pillsbury doughboyism. Okay, maybe not all religions. Maybe just the ones we like. We don't want to be narrow, do we? God would give us a smorgasbord of religious options, wouldn't he? Would he give us one item on the menu and say, this is the truth, when we could have a salad bar instead? Jesus can't be the only way. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel, something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Everyone. God's salvation in Jesus Christ, what the gospel is all about, is not just for one type of religious person with other options for all the other types. And here's the real dangerous arrogance in this. To say Jesus is not the only way when God Almighty says he is. And maybe we do want to be narrow about some things, like truth. Danelle and I had the opportunity many years ago when our son was actually getting his pilot's license Never could quite figure out why he was doing that. I mean, I, nothing, nothing in our family history um, prepared us for a son that wanted to learn to fly, but he did. And he did it here in Reno. And when he got to the end of his uh, pilot's education and all the training and, and test flights and everything that he did, he actually took us on a flight with his instructor at the end of his time, got permission, and so we got to go up in the air with him. And while we were up in the air, I noticed how careful my son was to do all of the things that his instructor was telling him to do. And I was glad. (laughs) It would not have made me proud of my independent thinking son in that moment to hear him say, you know, Mr. Flight Instructor, I'm sick and tired of you cramming your lift versus drag, maintain airspeed, watch your altitude, inflexibility down my throat. You're so narrow. If I want to land sideways, that should be my business. It's a personal thing. That didn't happen. And I was very glad. Number five, the good news is exclusive. It's for Christians. It's for people like us. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. God saves Christians. God looked down from heaven and said, ah, those are the kind of people I want to save. The thing that's great about being a Christian is that we're the good guys. We really are a cut above. God is glad to have folks like us in his family. 
To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's just a, an artistic way of saying everybody. Because everybody's either a Jew or a non-Jew, a Jew or a Gentile, a Jew or a Greek. God doesn't save us because we're Christians. We're Christians because God saves us. God doesn't have a preference for any particular kind of people, race, nationality, religious background, social status, etc. People who think of themselves as Christians in an exclusively cultural sort of way are no more saved than believers who think of themselves as part of some other kind of cultural heritage. Anybody, anybody is welcome and invited to respond to the gospel by putting his or her trust in Jesus Christ and so being saved. Jonah the prophet, you may remember his story, did not want to go and preach, did not want to go and prophesy to those dirty pagans because he was afraid they might listen and repent, which is exactly what they did. A whole bunch of first century Pharisees and probably a lot of religious people today have a real problem with this whole everybody is equal in God's eyes thing. How about us? Number six, the point of the gospel is to tell us how to be good and have success in life. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Christianity is the world's best religion with the right rules for living right and earning God's blessing. If we just follow the rules, we'll be all right. We'll work our way up the ladder of moral and religious success. Please God and earn our way to heaven. This is religion in all its optimistic glory. And to speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Christianity is more an anti-religion It's not a system for earning God's favor. It's not about what we can do for God or about our search for Him, really. It's about what God has done for us, how He has searched for us and found us and blessed us with His grace. The righteousness that matters is God's, not ours. God gives us, imputes to us, His righteousness through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, fully human and fully God, and so makes us righteous in Him. That's the gospel, and that is power. That's the gospel power that revolutionized the life and faith of Martin Luther. And through him, the life and faith of the whole world, really. I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, quote, the righteousness of God. Because I took it to mean that righteousness whereby God is righteous and deals righteously in punishing the unrighteous. Night and day I pondered until... 
I grasp the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning and whereas before, quote, the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet in greater love. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway to heaven. And finally, God will accept everybody who tries to be good and do what is right. To speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. A lot of people seem to believe that whatever effort people make, is acceptable to God. It's all good. It's okay. God's sort of the senile grandfather in the sky. Or God is like the lenient school teacher who is going to find any way, bend any standard, turn a blind eye to any problem in order to see to it that you get your A on your report card. I noticed that you actually showed up for class today. Only spit on three of your neighbors... Turned your stereo down low enough for me to be able to think and only used profanity during the second half of class. Good for you. That deserves an A for sure. What kind of teacher is this? God doesn't care about what kind of God he is. So goes the line of thought. He's only here to help us. This is a similar error to the people are okay problem. And to speak like this is to say, I am ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul says of the gospel something people naturally are trying to cover up or deflect our attention away from. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Who is it that will actually try hard enough to be good and do what is right? Nobody. Well, nobody except Jesus, so except him. God does care what kind of God he is. He cares about his glory and his holiness. More than he cares about us and good news His concern for his own glory is the foundation for his love for us. Faith, not effort, and not moral achievement is the issue. God's glory, not ours, is the point. So what do we bring to the equation that counts? Faith, trust in God, a willingness to say yes to the glorious truth of who he is and what he has done for us and to put all our hope and trust in him. Faith that is not about the things we do but will certainly show itself in the things we do. A faith that acts because it must. So we've seen seven ways to say I am ashamed of the gospel. 
based on Paul's theme statement. How do we say, I am not ashamed? Well, I think it would be helpful for us to, to agree with Martin Luther and say, it's, it's the gateway to heaven. And then to see the gateway, we need to see first the two key problems obscuring our view. Ignorance and pride. Ignorance. I need to know what the gospel is really about. God, please reveal to me what I need to see. Friends, stay with Romans. It's what the book is all about. Paul was an active, passionate, capital punishment persecutor of those who were not ashamed of the gospel. And then he got gospelized. And he shares it with us throughout this book profoundly. Martin Luther struggled mightily, studied hard, and when he came up against the phrase the righteousness of God, he hated it because he thought it was an impenetrable wall around heaven. The righteous God will keep all you sinners out. Then he got gospelized. And what came into view was a gateway to heaven, doors open wide. The righteous God invites you into his heaven and he has made it possible for you to come in. Pride. I need to realize at the outset that it is about God and not about me, not about us. So we can live by faith more and more and less and less by fear. So we can see that the gates of heaven are behind us. Salvation is accomplished in the already completed work of Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can let our loving community and our good works and our biblical teaching flow from the source of real power rather than be doomed without it. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The spirit-born truth of salvation in him. The reality of the almighty God of all goodness and grace. So we will grow in faith. Allowing the power of the gospel to do for us as God intends and turn us into the kind of creatures he wants us to be. Thoroughly gospelized. People more and more able to repeat after the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord God, once again, we give you thanks and praise for who you are, for what you've done. Lord, we thank you for the, the truth that we have in you. And Lord, for, for the truth of the gospel. You have come for us. Lord Jesus, you have died for us. You've paid the price. You have done what needed to be done. The gateway to heaven is thrown open to us through faith in you. You have done all that needs to be done. And we are invited by the God of all love and all grace, but also all righteousness and all holiness to come and to be with you now and forever. And this comes to us not through anything that we have earned, not through some kind of special person that we are by our own merit, by our own effort but entirely by your grace and because of your love. 
the gospel. Lord, may the power of the gospel be a power that manifests itself in our lives and through our lives to others for your glory and according to your will and purpose. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.